you know, I think, I think that we have to um, move on with our lives. We have to do what we know we have to do in our Abodah Sashem. We have to raise a, you know, continue to uh, to be wives and mothers and teachers and and do what we have to do. And we have to do it with Simcha, which is really the biggest challenge. Because like that clip we had of this soldier who said, you know, I won't be davening tonight, um, but I want you all to go to shul. I want you to daven. I want you to sing. I want you to dance. I want the walls of the shul to rock. And we did that. Friday, that Friday night, Yankee was here, and he was the belt filler. And the place was, you cannot imagine. Everybody was lifted up to the heavens. And that's really what dancing is. You, you jump up, you jump up towards the heaven and, and you bring it down to earth. And that there was that feeling like we're, we're not in Eretz Yisrael doing what the soldier is doing, but we're supporting him and we're there with him. Because I, I think that the main thing that I was thinking about, and I was telling you, I spoke to Donna this morning, and she was, she was trying, she had, uh, she saw a nasty letter from the chancellor of UWM, and she's on the, uh, she's one of the teachers there, she's on the staff, faculty, whatever, anyway, so she wrote him back a letter. And we had the discussion, I said to Donna, don't waste your energy with that. It's not gonna be that chancellor, it's gonna be another one, and it's, you know, there's pushback to, for Biden's uh, attitude. And uh, we're not going to win public opinion, uh, you know, world opinion. Uh, definitely no matter what we do. The only thing that we can do is reinforce our own behaviors. Because we are one. We're one organic whole, all of Claudius Sorrell. Every time we do something good, every time we hold back from making a nasty comment, every time that we don't, uh, we're, uh, you know, we're very tempted to deliver a message of Lashon Hara, and we hold back. Every time we go and we smile at, at somebody, and especially people who frustrate us, and all of that works for a soldier out there. Maybe it keeps him from, you know, he dodges a bullet as a result of what we're doing because we're one. So the problem is we feel so hopeless. They're doing much better in Eretz role when... They can make meals for the soldiers. Uh, Chaim Pinsky is is making tons and tons of meals. There's um, Benjamin, um, I forget what's his name, he's up in Tveria. Kempner? Kempner, right, Kempner. So he's he's making meals constantly. People are, are doing, and they feel so much better doing. We don't have that sense that we're really... Uh, hands-on kind of doing, but when we do uh, a, a mitzvah and, and and we hold back from doing something inappropriate, it's just as real as as you know making a meal for them or, or doing something for them. So I think that's what we do, and we generate and and the house should be full. You know, if you listen, put music on. People think that they have to hold back from all those expressions of simcha because how can we do that when they're on the front? But whenever you see a clip of the soldiers, they're always dancing. And we have to dance along with them. And and simcha generates good stuff. And, and, and we, you know, inside, inside of our neshamas, inside of our hearts, we... We cry, but outwardly 
we dance, we dance, we sing and we dance, and it, it it's an expression of emunah betachem that Rabbi Shalom, thank God, is on our side. And Amrit Hashem, he is, he's going to see to it that it all turns out okay. So I think that's what we have to do. So I love the idea that Rebetzin brought of the Friday night dancing, because I think that that's a very good, tangible example, where, like, I think as Americans, we want to, our brothers in Israel to, and sisters and cousins and whatever to, to know that we care and we want to feel connected with them. So we almost sort of feel like, like, right, like, you know, and maybe there is that place for like, you know, taking a moment or some time where we kind of like, maybe, you know, I think I heard uh, Charlene Amanoff was saying, she's like, slow down, like not go shopping necessarily for an extra thing if I don't need it right now in solidarity or whatever yeah. it is, like to take on something that way, but on the other hand, to not lose simcha, meaning at my goal, right. so I don't know, the Rebbe want to clarify a little bit more about that piece. Right, I don't, I don't think that it, it, it serves them, I mean, depriving ourselves, I don't know that we go all out and go like you said, maybe, uh, you know, there's a place for, you know, we say our Tehillim, and uh, when we, uh, we're davening, and in certain parts of, of the davening, uh, I know I, I I find myself crying. There's a place for that too because it's wishful and, and hopeful tears, uh, you know, importuning Hashem, supplicating Hashem that He take care of our little boys. I mean, our little boys. They're, you know, if you look at those soldiers. They're the same age as some of our kids. What are they? Seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old. And then you hear the women who are talking about the, uh, how they have a house full of children and, and their husbands were taken, were taken to war. And, 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 they're, and they're still so upbeat. And, and they, they're so hopeful in these kibbutzim. I heard interview with some of these women. And it's so unimaginable that they took her, this woman's husband away. And she is, no, no, we're, gonna, we're fighting to the end. We're fighting to the end. And one of the secular commentators from a professor in university said he has no doubt that as difficult as it is with Hamas, Hezbollah, that Israel will win. He says, and that's because Israel has the will. Israel has the will. And the will is a product of knowing that Rabban Shalom is on our side. You know, the will. And of course, one of the big issues that I think is a major thing we can focus on is the Ben Adam L'chavero. You know, look, just like we're looking out and we, our hearts go out to the soldiers and the families and all, uh, and, and in Eretz Yisrael, they're doing for others so clearly. We have to do it where we are. Look at people who are in need, look at people who need, look at people who need chizot. People, there's so many people who need refuas and yeshuas to understand again that we're that we're all one and and uh, you know that's the big thing is to be right in there in the trenches with not only the soldiers but the families and, and all of Klali's soul to know that we're, we're all one and then to, to look around where we can give expression to caring for others to get to climb out out of ourselves and to care for others it's it's hard to do in the best of times but that's a major issue especially when we think of the fact that prior to this prior to the outbreak of this war um 
there was so much political unrest in Eretz Yisrael, so many factions and so many, um, so much divisiveness. And ironically, these people who were hit that, at that party were leftists who were in favor of creating a Palestinian state. Mm -hmm. and, uh, the, and these barbarians come, and, and that's who they attack first. But, um, you know, now that Rabbi Shalom unfortunately hit us with this tzara, there's no more divisiveness. Everybody, everybody is, uh, you don't have to answer. Everybody is getting along. Everybody feels like they're in this together. All the reservists who were on the left and said they would never join the army if anything came up. They're all there, 110% mm -hmm. of all of them are there. Because when we have a, a, a common enemy, we forget about our differences. And that's, you know, I don't know if I told you, Ramea Shapiro had a wonderful word. He said that now it's actually apropos Parshas Noach. When we had the, the Teva, and there was a, a marble raging outside, all the animals of the Teva and that came into the Teva generally don't get along. And and they made shalom, they made shalom because there were there was a common enemy, the waters that that were uh, uh, threatening to to drown them. So they made peace with each other. So he says when it says um, Hashem la mabel yoshev, when Hashem gave the Torah, there was vayichan shem Yisrael, neged ha'ar. So Rashi says keishachad belevachad, they were like one person with one heart. So the nations of the world ran to Bilaam, and they, they asked Bilaam, they said, wow, there's, there's some achters, there's shalom, there's peace. Is Hashem bringing a marble? Is that why? Like the animals got along then? Is that why there's so much peace there by uh, Klal Yisrael? And, and he said, no, it's Hashem ozel amo yitain. Hashem has given his children strength. Yeah. He has given them uh, uh, the Torah by Yavarech Hesam Shalom. So there are two kinds of peace. There's a peace that's organic, like Vayichan Shem Yisrael, when they got together to receive a Torah. And then there's a peace that comes from having a common enemy, like by the, by the marble. And this is what we have to work towards. This is what uh, they, they quote um, Rabbi Lau, who uh, went to Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen, and he said, as he, you know, looked over the camps, he said, you know, we know very well, all, all of us together, we know how to die together. The problem is we don't know how to live together. Hmm. Wow. And, and that's a, a powerful statement. If we would learn how to live together and, uh, uh, you know, be able to hear another person's opinion and not get bent out of shape and and respect other people's opinion, agree to disagree, and still love each other, Hashem probably wouldn't have to bring these Torahs on us uh, to help us see that we're actually one. Mm. Not that anybody can assign any reason for anything. You know, that's really presumptuous and inappropriate, like people saying the Holocaust happened because this and that and something else. Nobody can climb into the mind of Rabbi Shalom and know why. But working towards peace with each other is a, is a very good thing. And getting along, doing for others.
So Robertson used the words, I appreciate that idea, and I think that's so, it's it's so important. I think we all kind of understand that. But Robertson talked about, like, climbing out of ourselves. Yeah. And it's almost, sometimes it's hard because, let's say, someone does something to me, and I intellectually, like, you know, there's so much going on, and I should be like, compared to what's going on with the world, like, right. I'm so blessed. But this thing, like, you know, like, so how do you find that balance of, like, I should be just, like, letting everything go, but on the other hand, whatever, this person said something hurtful. And how do right. I navigate my emotions? I feel hurt and I feel frustrated. And I wish that I could just be this kind of person that, like, you know, says, oh, you know, nothing bothers me and whatever. But I'm not there yet. And I, and you know, so I don't know. How does that, that's how do we climb out of ourselves when we are kind of get stuck in there? That's a, that's a very good question. And, and obviously, we're not always going to be successful. And we can't beat ourselves up when we're not because... That doesn't lead to anything good. I think we have we have to celebrate the times that we are. So when I I say to myself, to myself, I, it's all about my my personal growth. All these things encourage me to grow. And every time when I just stop to think, and I just I was you know the piece I had you type the pause button. My my husband always said that the pause button is the greatest invention ever. Yeah. He he says when you put a you know I'm busy having a disagreement or an argument, whether it's with my husband, whether with a friend, and I just push the pause button for a minute, and and I think like is this the way I want to respond? Is this gonna work? Like I just saw a quote, um, one one moment of patience in the time of argument saves us a hundred hours mm. of sorrow mm. because the things that we regret the most is the moments that we flew off the handle that we said things that were hurtful to another person very hard to forget hurtful statements especially when it comes from people who are close to us so if we push the pause button and just not fly off the handle and and react reflexively but stop for a minute and say it's not a reaction, but a response. Instead of reacting, responding, and saying, "How do I really want want to do this?" And um, we would feel so good about us. I know. Any time, I'm sure you know. We all know the times we've done it. We we were we're like masters of ourselves, and instead of a slave to, to whatever emotion comes along. Um, sometimes it's a good idea if, if it's somebody close. Some we can go to them and say to them, you know, I really was hurt by your comment. I was hurt by by what you did. I was hurt by your negligence. Um, and we can then the person would probably want to correct it. Sometimes they're even unaware. So, I mean, we have to survive. You can't just go on and let people step all over you. That's not indicated. But it has to be a measured, a measured response, something that we could live with, and that the other person uh, could live with. As the Robinson's saying that, I feel like it would be a big difference depending on what mode I'm in. Meaning, if I if I tried to say to someone that they hurt my feelings without doing the pause button first, probably wouldn't go over as well as right. as if I as if I do that. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Like no, like if you say that's all right. Do I do I want to respond? And if I do want to respond, how? What am I going to say that I won't regret? And, and you know, it's a vicious cycle. Then I say something that they're upset with, and then, you know, then I have to go and, and um, apologize for that. 
and it's 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 good to head you know for sure not to talk to other people about it mm. but to address the person directly unless it's a therapist sometimes you have a friend who is has a sechel hayasha and you know that um, that you can talk to them about things that people have done to you that have hurt you very much and they can kind of you know show you where it's all at and you have you know like David Melech uh, says, if you have a, a worry in your heart, something bothering you, talk to talk about it. But not to everybody. That'd be Tom, Dick, and Harry. But you have one designated person that you know is going to advise you well. Then it's it's a good thing to talk to that individual. That's interesting because as Rebbe's saying that, I think that you know when when you t- like for myself, let's say. When I'm pushing myself past my limits, I almost lose track of my pause button and I, you know, and I, like it sort mm-hmm. of spirals. I wonder to kind of, I think many women at this point are feeling very depleted. It's right. just post-Yantif and we went straight into a war. So if Robinson wants to speak a little bit to like, what are some things that maybe are part of remote decision, but we don't necessarily, because we think we have to, you know, we're always taking care of everybody else. Right. So things that would help us to kind of get there that maybe we need to kind of hear the Robinson reminding us about. No, that's a, you're absolutely right. I think like self-care, taking care of ourselves. Like you say, we are depleted. Whatever works, different things work for different people. Some people go away. Some people like, you know, it's only, there was a saying that we only appreciate opposites. Like when, um, when we've had a lot of people, we want a little quiet. You know, we, a lot of noise, then we we want quiet. You know, it's so sometimes we need to be by ourselves. And uh, we have to figure out how that could happen. And just, you know, get our heads on straight. And some people um, like to go away somewhere. Maybe, whatever it is, to, to the library. They go, even even if it's shopping, and it does something for somebody, they happen to uh, to relax when they go shopping. And, uh, and and it gives them the wherewithal to continue, like they're doing something for themselves. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong, whatever, whatever, the, you know, some- I think there's a difference between complaining and recognizing that something is difficult. And I think that, especially now with the war going on, right. Like, I've been noticing this, that there's kind of this underlying difficulty and calling it out. That you're feeling like you can't talk about what's difficult? Or just, why am I so stressed? And you think that you're stressed because of the war, right? I think it's underlying. I think that it adds a layer. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's a, how, how can we avoid that? The question is what we do with it. Right. Of course it's going to be there. Now what am I going to do about it? If, if we want to do something that's productive, then we say, like Yoni was saying, before she, she looks at the news or whatever, that she feels like she wants to say a capital to them first, and then she'll look at the news. Mm. So that, that, that's a wonderful way to do it. Like, okay, let me... Uh, let me align myself with the fact that Hashem is running the world, and then I can open up and see what's going on there. I I think that's, but it's going to be, of course, the stress. There will, we wouldn't be human, and it wouldn't be appropriate not to not to feel. 
So, of course, we, 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 put, our, we put it all in perspective. It's a matter of perspective. Uh, it's true, nothing is like what's going on there. It's Israel. However, in my daily life, I have my challenges. And I have to figure out what to do with those challenges. And the challenges do, do get me down. You know, you have little kids you have to deal with. And, uh, and you're not going to walk around saying to them, stop complaining. You, don't you know there's a war going on? <laughs> it's not going to, you know, it's not going to work. So we, we have to be there for our, uh, for our children. And we have to be there for, um, for our friends. We have to be there. We have to be there. And then, of course, we take time out when we're davening. And say our Tehillim. And we do those things. And at the same time, we have to live our life and do the best that we can. And know that when we're doing the best that we can in our life, we're doing the best that we can for, for the soldiers, mm. for Claudia Sol, everybody who's out there. In, um, I like that. Night. I like that. That would? Yeah, I want to come back to that point. Yeah. That when we're doing the best we can, yeah. which means that we're growing. Exactly. That's the best thing we can do. Versus how could I have done that because there's a war in Israel? Like, or I'm responsible for the war in Israel. I think I'm a lot responsible of responsible for what? I think a, I've heard from friends that they almost feel like their actions like make or break the war and so it's this huge burden oh wow that's really that's taking it way too far <laughs> i think that in the positive side you know we're still going to be human but on the positive side when i stop for a minute and i say okay i really feel like screaming at whatever screaming at my brother at my sister at my mother at my and and i say to myself i push the pause button i say you know what I'm not doing this today, and this is dedicated to the well-being of mm-hmm. of uh, what's going on at Israel for a soldier there. For, so, on the positive side, when I'm able to do that, it's huge. It's huge because it is so difficult. But to take it to the other side and say I'm I'm killing soldiers right here when, when I'm that is really really very very misguided. That's misguided. When we, when we think of strife, when we're creating strife between family members or ourselves and our friends, I think that's when we have to be very careful because strife isn't good under these circumstances. But what Robinson's pointing to, which I really think, like as I'm hearing it, I appreciate, and Ellie Shepard's pointing to, is that if my goal is I want to help the people in Eretz Israel. So therefore, I want to work on pushing the pause button and creating more shalom. Then for many of us, I think, also recognizing that, therefore, whatever I need to do to fill myself up so I can do that better is also part of my helping the soldiers and my, so, you know, whether it's sitting down with a cup of coffee or maybe, mm-hmm. say, maybe going shopping or doing something that fills my bucket. You know, right. maybe it's like, That's I think, a good expression, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that, I think that's, the only way we could do it. We can't run on empty. If we're running on empty, we've got no, nothing to give anybody else. So you're right. We have to fill ourselves up to be able to do that. You know, our relationship with with our spouses, you know, something we can upgrade. And, you know, and we say, Rabbanishwam, thank you so much. My husband isn't at war. 
you know, and let me show Maya Karasatopa that by, you know, appreciating the fact that I have them. So all of those kind, and little ways and big ways, whatever <clears throat> it may be, not, uh, not complaining. <coughs> you know, I told my husband this morning, he gives this wonderful class every morning at 9.30. So he always greets everybody who's there. Uh, these people, uh, David Becker is there from Yerushalayim, George Taylor Master mm-hmm. on Zoom from Yerushalayim. Uh, there's a, a woman from Toronto, they're from New York. <coughs> he greets everybody. No, it's okay, I'm all right. So he greets everybody. And I said to him this morning, how come I don't get a greeting? <laughs> I, I'm there too, you know? He says, well, I didn't see it. You don't have your face. I said, the other ones don't have their face either. So he says, I, I didn't notice that you're on. You, you can be sure tomorrow he's going to notice. <laughs> but, and will you show your face? <laughs> I don't have to even show. You can see. It says everybody's Very name. Real. So, um, I, you know, I, 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 I didn't... Uh, do it. I could if I was in a bad mood, or if my bucket was empty, I would I would have said it in a nasty way. Like it's so nice that you have a you know you can greet everybody else, but but, but I said it I said it nicely, you know. So I don't. I have like to that be example resentful. because I think that that's a good example of you know being clear on what I need right. and what I want, and like in a nice way, you know, like asking for that, and then yeah. your husband can respond and step up to the exactly. plate for that, but not from the place of resentment, which I think exactly. is you know, and it's uh, and not denying your friends. own feelings also, not saying right. oh it doesn't matter, it's okay. Right. right, I told you once that I had this thing early on where we'd have tons of guests at Shabbos table when I was younger, and. Uh, he would say l'chaim after the fish. He'd have some schnapps, say l'chaim, go around the table, l'chaim, this one, l'chaim. I was working in the kitchen, serving or whatever, and I never got a l'chaim. So one time I said to him, you know, do you want me to live? <laughs> <laughs> so he was so taken aback. Now, even if we are at a chasana where he's all the way by the men, and I'm by the women, he'll send messengers <laughs> to say, Zaidi says l'chayim. <laughs> He's never forgotten since that oh time. <laughs> but it, it it makes a difference to me. But you're, Yoni's right. Ask for what we want instead of assuming that there's a hidden agenda, like he doesn't want me to live or he doesn't care <laughs> that I'm on, on Zoom in the class, <laughs> you know. And I'm sure there are much more significant examples, but it makes a difference. Oh, right, and we don't like always have said, to be there on everything, but we can no. actually ask for what we want and exactly. would do us some fun. Exactly, and that fills up our bucket. You know, it's a, it's a very good expression, uh, the filling up the bucket. Like that. The story that you say with the rabbi reminds me of, um, of our, when Abraham Hashem changes the story of what Sari Menu said when he tells over to Avram, right? right? And one of the, somebody says that, um, why would Avram be so sensitive, right? Like, Hashem has to change it for, like, Avram and Sarah have the best relationship ever. And it's because every, even the closer the relationship, the more sensitivity. It's true. So, 
Yes, it can be nice to everyone on the street. That's not so hard, you know. <laughs> right. So I, I don't think we have to look too far for those opportunities of Ben Adam Lachaviro. That's true. Is, uh, and that's like you said, it's the hardest. People closest to you. Rabbi Ephraim told me, I think he was the one that told me that's such a nice word. He said, you know, uh, the mezuzah that we have on our doors, it's always on an angle. It's, that's how a mezuzah is supposed to be. Uh, you know, nailed into the wall. In every other area, the, when there are differences of opinion, in other words, should a, should a mezuzah be hung vertically, horizontally, uh, or, and other things like, a, for instance, a Hanukkah lecht. So there's Beis Shammai and Beis Yildel who don't agree. Beis, uh, Beis Shammai says you start from the end and go to the beginning, and Beis Yildel says you go from the beginning and go every, you know, it's cumulative till the end. So we decide, and Halacha tells us, it's like Basil. We start one, two, three, four. In, most, in almost all instances, when there's a difference of, uh, of opinion, it's determined one way or the other. A mezuzah is on an angle. Hmm. It's not straight up. It's not straight across. The message being that when it comes to relationships, in the house, your, your home, mm-hmm that there has to be compromise. Mm. You're not straight up, you're not across, you just do it on an angle to indicate that we have to, we have to compromise. Sometimes it goes his way, sometimes it goes my way, but the, the compromise is, is needed. It's a beautiful take home, Yoni, just like um, what you had said about the bucket. So another visual is just, we walk through the door a thousand times a day. So stop, take your pause, Look at the mezuzah on an angle, mm. and you have an instant chance lesson. to. It's an instant lesson. Yep, that's right. And another instant lesson that I love, I actually was going to, um, in the when I saw it, it, it was called the trouble tree. And uh, what it was was uh, it, it talks about a fellow who was a worker, and his his uh, truck broke down. And all kind, and the boss had to give him a ride home, and he never had tourists on top of tourists. And the the boss takes him home, and uh, he he and the fellow said, "Do you want to come in and meet my family?" And uh, the boss says, "Sure." Anyway, he walks to the door, and right before the door, he sees that the worker stops for a minute by a, a tree, and he stays there for a few seconds. And then he, he goes into the house. He meets the family. And when he says goodbye to the worker, he says to him, can I ask you a question? What was that that you did over there when you stopped in front of the tree? So he says, that's my trouble tree. He says, when I come into, I, I, after all the troubles I have all day, today my thing broke down, and, and some days go well at work, some days uh, don't go so well. He says, but troubles don't belong in the house with my family, with my wife and my children. So before I go into the house, I stop in in front of that tree and I hang up all my troubles on that Mm. tree. Mm. And he says, the amazing thing is when I come out the next morning to collect my troubles, there's so many fewer, so fewer Mm. troubles to collect. Mm. So when I read that, I thought, you know, he has a trouble tree. We all have mezuzahs. Mm. Oh. You know, when we come and we kiss the mezuzah, we, in effect, we're saying to the Baruch you know, my day did go well, didn't go well. 
I have this on my mind, that on my mind. Rabbanu Shalom, you have very broad shoulders. <laughs> and you can carry all of these. You can carry my troubles so that I can feel a little bit lighter. And if we really mean it, no, you focus for a minute on that. Probably would be that then we, when we leave, we feel a lot lighter, just like in the fellow did. That's a beautiful, beautiful, you know, a really practical example of the pause button that I think yeah. most of us could kind of integrate a little bit as a host yeah. for, for Eretz Yisrael. But I just want to make sure that we kind of address, I know we're sitting here all the way in Milwaukee, very far yeah. from like the big centers of things and whatever, but really especially very far from Eretz Yisrael. And I know that this might go who knows where, but I think, you know, for our friends and family and people in Eretz Yisrael, I don't know what, you know, where they are, you know, bottom line, whether their husbands are more or their husbands are in yeshiva and, and they're davening and they're doing the packaging and whatever. Like, what if Rebbitson has a message of chizuk for those women? Oh, though, my goodness gracious. Those women could teach us a lot, you know, from the way I heard the things that they said and, and their courage, their bravery, and, and mostly their munam betachem. They feel that what they're doing is so critical. And um, and I think, I think that they really feel that. You know, just translate in case some of the Americans don't. What? Just translate that. We have, well, we have nobody that we can count on other than the Rebbe and Shalom. There's nobody. All those who, who kind of uh, tell us that they're our friends, it doesn't take long before they, they change their, their opinions and whatever. And they know out there that that's who they're fighting with. They're fighting with, with uh, Rebbe and Shalom on, on their side. And, um, and when we, it infuses us with so much chizik when we we hear their message and when we see what they're doing and and raising kids by themselves and have to answer all those questions. Can you imagine talk about questions that students ask and that our kids ask and they're right there like where's where's daddy? Stati, is he gonna come home? Is he is he gonna die? You know, this are so uh, just to see how a courageous Klal Yisrael, Mika Amcha Yisrael. And I was telling you that beautiful, I love that word from Rabbi Soloveitchik, that I don't know why, why didn't you or I think of it? You know, Am Yisrael Chai? Mm-hmm. You look at the word Am, the same word as Im. Mm. Am, am is made up of Im, me and you together, mm. me and them together, it's Im. We're all in this together. And and I, I think that that's the feeling that, you know, that that we fall back on is, is in. We're not right there in the trenches like they are, but we are in a sense. Because it's harder, like somebody said, it's harder to be far away. It's harder to be far away. It's like when our children are going through something and our loved one is going through something. It's so much easier to be on site right there with them than to be far away and worry about what they're going through. But they should know that we are thinking about them and of we love course. them and we, we're davening Of course, we're davening and we're thinking and we're inspired by them. And um, and of course, we're, we're hoping that this will bring Mashiach and Marat Hashem. And we'll all be together. We'll join them there in Eretz Yisrael together. Mm-hmm. 
my ready so we're talking about that guilty voice and i'm just going to give words behind that guilty voice of like how can i be enjoying this piece of cake or this delicious dessert there's a soldier who's fighting in israel and sleeping on the floor how can i be enjoying this time with my husband there's a wife who's weeping for a lost husband and it's a guilty voice it's negative um, and that's not a Jewish approach. I think the way you turn that around and you say when you're with your husband enjoying him, it's, you say, Baruch Hashem, thank you Hashem, that I, have a, that I have a husband that I can enjoy and I really appreciate it. I'm really grateful. So make it into a positive thing. I really enjoy having him here and, and he's interacting with my children. I thank you. Gratitude. Gratitude for what we should generate gratitude, not guilt over it, because that's it's not a Jewish approach. It doesn't lead to anything, to anything good. Guilt feelings, you know. Rishorim melei charata. Rishorim are full of guilt. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and and that's because they they're constantly wallowing in guilt and doesn't let them move forward. That's not a Jewish thing. We appreciate it to generate an appreciation for what we have, not guilt over our enjoying what we have. That's so that's how we kind of know if we're in the right direction, is if it helps us to kind of move forward. Right. It helps us move forward when we appreciate and we look at our children, we hug them. And we look at our husband, we can hug him too. And, uh, you know, and, and just say thank you, thank you to Banishlam. And the other part of the tefillah should be... And I, I, I want my counterparts in Eretz Yisrael, my sisters and brothers, to be experiencing the same joy that I'm experiencing. I love that. I have yeah. this and I want others to have I want others to have it, exactly. I want this for everybody. So I, we could, I think that's a much more a positive and, and a, effective uh, approach to have. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. Anyways... That's um, that's the story. We we have to hang in there with our tefillahs and with our masim tovim. Every time we do something good, it's a, a cruise to the benefit of all of those in our We have to believe that, and that's the way we can do something. It's it's our meals that we cook for them. It's it's what we can do, and and we hope that Amritzashem. Use the pause button more often, and and try our best. The only thing is, there was oh, Rabbi Yankee told us such a good story. He he used to um, volunteer. He used to go see Jewish prisoners in the Otisville, which mm-hmm. is not so far from I think Muncie or something. So um, there was an older an older man there who was there many years already, 10 years. So um, he was, he never spoke a lot, but he was considered like the guru of the place. Everybody relied on him. And he used to, and he, and a few times he got up to speak, all he said was, you're going to get out when the Rabbanishal wants you to. Mm-hmm. You're going to come in when the Rebbeinu wants you to. And you're going to get out when the Rebbeinu wants you to. Don't blame those who, who brought you here. And don't blame the guards. And don't blame anybody because all of it is Menashemayim. Everything's going to go by the way the Rebbeinu wants it to go. That was over and over again he gave them that message. It's all up to Rebbeinu and not up to us. 
all we can do is daven to Rabbi Nishlam that he should have Rachman and um, and tell him that we will try our best and show that with our behaviors that we're going to try our best. The merit of all those, our great ancestors, that Rabbi um, should confer upon us all the wherewithal to be able to do what we need to do, to be there for each other, and to hear Mertashem, to hear Surah Stavis, uh from our brethren everywhere, locally, all over the world, and of course, Neret Yisrael. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Robertson.